Well, good morning, folks. And uh, it's good. I don't know about you, but at this time of year, I'm just grateful to get back to sort of a normal diet and normal routines. I love Christmas. I really do. But aren't you just a little bit pleased when you take the decorations down? You know, up until Christmas, they make perfect sense. Beyond Christmas, they just look tat, you know, and I just want to get rid of it all, you know. And you know, I've had six Christmas dinners uh, this, uh, this season, and, and I, I was just thinking about it coming in. You know, I have, I have literally sacrificed my body for this ministry. Uh, you know, it comes at a price, being senior pastor. Six Christmas dinners. I mean, it's um, but you know there was nothing more joyous than the Christmas Day one, and uh, I mean in, I'm in total awe of the folk who made it happen, you know, and total awe of all the volunteers and you guys, and it was just a tremendous thing, a privilege to be in, and I couldn't really believe what I was seeing, you know, it was just extraordinary. But but such is God's work within us, such is His grace that. It's beginning to make sense to us to make a sacrifice uh, as an act of worship. We're beginning to get it, you know, that, that you know, giving up for Christmas Day makes perfect sense when it gives us an opportunity to serve others. And, you know, oh, gosh, I'm so, so, so teary and proud of you guys. Anyway, right, let me just pray and we'll get straight into God's word. <clears throat> Father, I pray it will be your word. Father, I pray that as we begin this new year, and uh, Lord, it's a very full year, and we haven't even started putting things in the diary, but there are a number of things we know are going to happen this year. And so we pray straight off, Lord God, that as we have prayed and sought your face, and some of, these, some of the things I'm going to be referring to, we've been planning for two years and beyond. And Lord, I pray now that you will just come and that you will make up my deficiencies, that you will, make, you will minister to our hearts. And that you will give us the heart, Lord God, to see your kingdom come. May it become our magnificent obsession. That, uh, Lord, we put aside our own concerns and cares and, and, and agendas that we might, just, um, we might just see your kingdom here on earth. So thank you, Lord God, for all that you have done and all you are going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, uh, Rich asked me during the week, he said, you know, do you have a, a, a sense from the Lord what the, the keynote might be for this, this coming year. <clears throat> and that's an interesting question. It's interesting for two things. The way I do vision, Flissy and I, when we first started the church, we were the only people in the church with me and my family, so the, the vision was ours. But we very quickly tried to uh, share that and give that away, and we've always, we've always heard from God through the Word, through our own walk with Jesus, through what might call is called the Rhema Word, you know, where God seems to speak to you. But I always very I always try and listen to people, and, and, and I hear from the people, uh, you know, uh, and hear from you guys, and have a sense, you know, what God is doing. And hopefully, those three mesh together, and that's how we work out vision. We've always done it that way, you know. And the leadership team, we have about 150 people in the leadership team now. And by that I mean not all elders, but, you know, operating some kind of leadership in the church. So we all have a vested interest. We all have ownership of this. And I think it's one of the strengths of the church. And it's something to be protected and something to be kept and something to be nurtured. But it, it, there, there is a point where the buck stops with me. And so that, you know, over the last few years... Probably every year, I'm honest. I've always had a sense that God 
just wants to whisper in my ear. I used to talk about him giving me a Christmas present, and that's the way it seemed to me to be. You know, he would come at some point over the Christmas season, and he would just whisper something in, in my ear. So Richard asked this question, and it was interesting, as I say, because normally we do vision corporately, but uh, with myself perhaps sort of, and one or two others just kind of distilling things down. But, but he asked me, did I have a sense about this coming new year? And I said to him at that point, I said, you know what, I, I, there is so much change and so much challenge and so much celebration and, and all that kind of thing going on this year. I've got a, just, it's crowded and I'm, I'm having a job hearing from God. And I went into my office and I was preparing for this word and I felt like the Lord just very quietly said, a year of new beginnings. A year of new beginnings. And uh, actually, the more I thought about it, it seems a bit like a cliche if you've been a Christian for a long time, but actually, you know, very often, it's the simple things that we, that we dismiss because they're too simple, you know, but the simple things that actually God speaks to us through. And so I believe that this is a year of new beginnings, new opportunities. And so if you want to take something away and pray about, you know, as put, I'm going to give you some things to, to pray about this, this morning. But, uh, you know, please do uh, just, uh, you know, take that thought away with you. Uh, and we're going to be teaching into that. I've got a little word that I believe God has given me about trust and faith next week, which uh, Mark and I did a little work on this week. And so I'm going to bring that this, this coming week. But today I want to just speak almost from the heart. I'm sorry that Felicity can't be here. She's, like many of you, succumbed to the flu, and I suspect I'm going down with it myself, but... But, so she can't be here, but uh, just as I share from the heart, would you please just uh, you know, listen to the, the Lord yourself and, and, and just let's pray together as we navigate this, this new beginning. So this three-week series is entitled Prisoners of Hope. Prisoners of Hope. I love that title. I love that, that phrase, Prisoners of Hope. I'm surprised that there isn't a Christian rock band called Prisons of Hope, because it just sounds great. So if any of you are in that kind of industry or have that leaning, and if you take that name away and you get world famous, I want some money, all right? <laughs> I want you to give me some money, lots of it, okay? And front row tickets when you're famous, okay? Prisons of Hope, there you are, that's for free. It was worth coming this morning already. Joe, I can see a little glint in your eye there. Have you got a rock star in you somewhere? Anyway, prisoners of hope. Does anybody, just for a, a brownie point, know where that expression comes from? Somebody said it right. Thank you, Zechariah 9. Now let's just read that. Chap, uh, at my, uh, yes, uh, Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 to 12. <clears throat> I don't know if you've read the book of Zechariah recently, but it's certainly worth looking at. It uh, is an interesting prophetic book. It's scripture is interesting anyway, but it's, it's unusual because this book is written by Zechariah about 500 years before the birth of Jesus. And it comes at a crucial moment. What has happened in Israel's history is that they've, you know, they've gone off into exile through their disobedience. And they've returned from exile, and they've started building the temple. Uh, in fact, they started doing the, they, they did a bit to the temple, sort of got the sort of basics there, the sort of so that they could worship and 
make sacrifices, but they didn't build a temple. And then Nehemiah came back and they built the wall. And then everything went a bit quiet. Everybody was a bit exhausted, emotionally and physically, no doubt. And, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to take a rest, but actually nothing really started again. And we read in the book of Haggai how Haggai the prophet is sent by God to, to give the people a bit of a, a smack about, to be perfectly honest, and say, come on, guys, you know, come on. You didn't just come here to sort of, you know, taste the waters. You know, you're here to do it for a purpose and build, you know, my house is in ruins and you're all about your own business. So Haggai is sent with that message and it finishes very positively, but it starts quite tough. So Zechariah is sent and he's very much a messianic prophet. He's, a lot of what he has to say refers to the coming Messiah. And he's really a visionary. He's been sent by the Lord to envision the people. And we all know how, the, you know, how powerful words are. And that's why those of us who preach and teach, you know, we work so hard and pray so hard to, to kind of, to, in order to honor God. Because we're, we're, we are, if we're fearful of anything, we're fearful of dishonoring God and going off on our own pet project or something like that. So Zechariah is sent with a prophetic word to God's people. And that is basically to have heart and to look to the God who rescued them out of Egypt to look to the God who brought them into the land of promise, the land of Israel, to look to the God who's brought them back from exile and for whom many promises are yet outstanding, not least a leader, a Messiah, a Savior. And so he comes to remind the people of that. And in Zechariah 9, I'm going to read this little chunk, there's this lovely passage, this lovely expression. He says, for we are prisoners of hope, sort of an oxymoron there. I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's just look at this then. <clears throat> and it says here, um, oh yeah, verse 9, chapter 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the full of a donkey. Can you imagine the impact of that prophetic word on an apathetic people who'd forgotten who they were, were just busy about their own business, who'd forgotten what the call on their life was, who'd forgotten you know, how special they were. Suddenly this prophetic voice pierces the apathy. Rejoice, shout, daughter Jerusalem. For your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. And the battle bow will be broken. And he will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And as for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress. And who is the fortress? The fortress is God himself. He is our hiding place. He is the people's hiding place. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you, says the Lord. And so it goes on. You know, if you've got a, an hour or so, I would encourage you to read that book. You know, lovely little gems that we often bandy about if you've been a Christian for more than 10 minutes. Often we don't know where they come from. Not by might, not by power, 
but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's in Zechariah. Wonderful, wonderful. So, so uh, you know, this resonates now. I love this expression. And, and, and to be honest with you, if, I, if you could indulge me just for a moment, when Flissy and I think about and reflect upon, and we often reflect upon our lives at Christmas and what we want to see in the time to come, as we've reflected upon you know, our walk with the Lord, uh, it really resonates to us because by the time we started this church 30 years ago, and you know, hopefully there will be some sort of celebration of that this, this year, it's our 30th anniversary. Give, give the Lord, give yourselves a clap, you know. You know, when we started the church, most seriously, and this isn't, uh, you know, to glean sympathy, but we had no job. We had no car. We had no house or home. We had four kids. We had, uh, you know, enough furniture to fill two transit vans, well, one transit van and one open truck. Uh, people were saying to us at that time, because we'd been involved in a successful ministry, they were saying to us, bishops were saying to us, you know, uh, one bishop was saying, well, you can't do this, what about your pension? What about your pension? Well, now I worry about my pension, but then it seemed like the last thing was on my mind, what about your pension? Another one said, you should not do this, because, and he threatened us with legal action, truthfully. Said, you are schismatics if you do this. So we were in a, the, having been a successful business, a relatively successful businessman early on, we were much further on. And we were in a place where, boy, the, the burden of it, the, the, the sense of being overwhelmed, coming to a city that seemed to be overchurched, uh, simply because we felt God called us here. But, you know, the truth was that we were prisoners of hope. We were prisoners of hope. We just knew that we had to try to do this thing. We had to try. Because if we didn't, then we would have just, we, we would have been just disobedient to what we thought we knew of the living God. So that whole sense of being a prisoner of hope and that hope within us driving us to take ridiculous, audacious, irresponsible, what about the children, Chris? What about the children? They'll never go to university. Well, they didn't. We... But we were prisoners of hope. But you know what? Our God is faithful. Give the Lord a clap. Because not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And he has proved faithful. Not by might. If I'd had all the resources in the world, I couldn't have made it any better. Not by power. If I'd had the, if I'd had the backing of the Church of England instead of its hostility, it wouldn't have made it any different. Not by might, not by power but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And by the grace of God, here we stand today. Not just a, a church, it's not just a case of, phew, you know, wow, we survived, but 
How have we survived? Oh my gosh. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Make no bones about it. Dispel any doubts. God is in this thing. Thank you, Lord. So this year then, we face, uh, you know, we face challenge. We face change. Uh, There's some celebration. And there's also new beginnings. And as we think about, and I want you to go away and reflect about this prisoner of hope thing. You know, last year we, you know, we talked about uh, and sensed God was saying that we were coming of age. You know, as you come of age, uh, and I'm going to be dotting around a bit, my dear AV friend. I can't see who it is up there, so just bear with me. You know, it's, it's the, uh, the lemsip kicking in, I think. Um, but coming of age means a deepening in devotion, it means a deepening in self-discipline, it means a deepening in accountability, and a deepening in integrity. That's what it is to come of age, and you take your place in the church. But as we come together, and as we, as we embrace what God has for us, you know, we find ourselves, all of us, prisons of hope. Every successful ministry in this place began with a dream, began with a vision, which we all began to pray about and get to. And the building we stand in, you know, the buildings we stand in, you know, are all just the outworkings of a faithful God in response to a group of people who have just been captivated by the gospel. We're prisoners of hope. And we find ourselves with hindsight, and isn't hindsight a wonderful thing? At the beginning, it just looked like foolishness. We, you know, Chris Lane's gone batty. Do you hear what he's done? You know. But as we look back with hindsight, we find ourselves actually in good company. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Let's just throw that up. Sorry about, I'm not going to apologize for the sun. I mean, the sun's, anyway, whatever. (laughs) You know, when you're a senior pastor, you do feel responsible for everything, you know. (laughs) Boy, I was so so hit by the the hole in the ozone a few years ago. Boy, really worried about that one. Um, Romans 4, chapter 18. Against all hope. Against all hope. Now, there's a prisoner of hope for you. That's the hallmark of a prisoner of hope. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. We find ourselves, ordinary people, doing extraordinary things because we serve an extraordinary God. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things because we serve an extraordinary God. So uh, this year then, we're going to face challenge. Well, Richard has already mentioned the, you know, the final phase. And folks, uh, let's get that done. There are other things that we need to be about, but let's get that done. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm just so grateful to God and so proud of you guys because, you know, we've raised, uh, Karen sent me the number on Friday, 118,000 pounds since we launched it a few weeks ago. You know, and you know, I've not been, you know, battling for this. I've not been uh, going on about it all the time. Uh, but, you know, please... Pray about that. Let's, let's give sacrificially so that we can, we can make this thing happen. 
So there's challenges this year, which I'm sure will lead to celebration when we open again. And we are hoping that in September of this year that we will have another grand opening of all that next door. And at the same time, maybe we can include, you know, 30 years of, of uh, uh, you know, the St. Albans Vineyard. You know, praise God, let's, let's, let's kick, kick our heels and have a bit of a dance. And I think last time we had the Blues Brothers in here, which was phenomenal. Uh, I've never been so hot and sweaty in my life, you know. <laughs> Suddenly nobody wanted to hug me, you know. But uh, it was great fun. Let's celebrate. Next year also, uh, we're going to uh, face some change. And uh, after 30 years, and for myself, 41 years in the ministry, uh, I'm aiming to retire this year. And uh, Flissy is going to retire in September. We've been working with the directors for two years now as we prepare for this. And uh, the plan as it stands at the moment, but sometimes, you know, changes come, is that come September, I'll I'll step aside from being the senior pastor. Uh, We've agreed, I've agreed to stay on for a while, a year or so, in a a very much reduced capacity, simply to, you know, nurture the transition. Uh, And we'll see how that develops. We'll see how that uh, pans out. But uh, Felicity and I... uh, are uh, both in our 65th year, and um, we can't do this forever. And in the moment, you know, I'm, I'm doing well, I'm great. But uh, the truth of the matter is we want to hand this over while it's a going concern, not when uh, they're having to wheel, Richard is having to wheel me on here, <laughs> drooling, and, uh, you know, and it just being embarrassing. You know, the image that we've embraced, we felt the Lord gave us right at the beginning, is the way this should change over is it should be like a relay race, a really well-rehearsed relay race. You know, and we've all watched the relays, the 400-meter relays, 4 by 400 in the Olympics. And when you see a well-practiced team doing what they have trained for four years at the Olympic Games to do. And when the transition from one runner at full, who is going at full pelt hands the baton over to another, they run alongside for a little while, and, and, and when that happens, it's beautiful. And world records tumble. But it can also go, oh, so wrong. And haven't we all of us at some point gone, oh, when somebody trips up or they drop the baton or somebody dithers or gets on the wrong side. So help us, God, it's not going to be like that here. So help us, God, by working together, praying together, and guarding that sweet unity that we have, we will go on not just to celebrate uh, 30 years or celebrate that, but celebrate a wonderful new beginning when a new senior pastor and his family, presumably we may not have a family, will, will, will take over. And at the end of this month, we're going to be advertising nationally and, in, and internationally uh, for someone to come and replace us. We have got a wonderful team here. Uh, it has taken a bit of a, a battering, I have to say, but we have a wonderful team here. 
and uh, you are wonderful people. I wouldn't say you were easy to, leave, uh, to lead. You, you are challenging at times, but it's always been worth it. Because look what God has done. It's always been worth it. So, uh, and Flissy and I are, are hoping that we will be able to stay on as members of the congregation. This is our family. You, you are our family. This is our home. And uh, we, we hope to be involved in a voluntary capacity in a number of ministries. Fliss is already thinking about that. So this clearly is going to be, you know, there's the challenge, but there's also change in store. And I want to remind you of something that I've taught periodically. But before we do that, I found this little video that might just help steady us at a, a point in time where you might feel... Um, Shocked in some way. So let's just run that video. Thank you. Okay, well, let me, just, uh, let me just remind you of a little teaching that we've done periodically. This is really based out of Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read this, and then I'll just make these points, and then we'll watch the video at the end. That'd be great. That'd be fine. Thank you so much. That's great. So Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, says this. As a prisoner for the Lord... See... Well, Paul was physically in prison, but he always understood himself as being in service to the king. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens, in order to fulfill the whole universe. So Christ gave himself apostles, prophets, and evangelists, pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole treasure measure of the fullness of God. There's a lot in that passage. But Paul is, this letter to the Ephesians was written to the Ephesians. It was probably the largest church, maybe, maybe Corinthian, the Corinthian church pipped it. But Paul is a, understands that this letter will be read outside of, outside of the, uh, uh, the church in Ephesus. And he's saying, listen guys, whatever your personal agendas Whatever your personal uh, likes and dislikes, remember that the goal of church is to forbear one another. We're not like other groups in society, bickering and biting one another. Build one another up until we all find that unity in the faith and become mature, coming of age. And to that point, 
Five little things. God sends challenging times. They're not from the enemy. God calls us to change. To be a follower of Jesus is to commit to change. Healthy things grow. Thank you. I guess healthy things grow. Things that aren't healthy don't grow. Think about that one. Healthy things grow. Growth brings change. Inevitably, growth brings change. I remember a time when my family were young, when Samuel was a little lad, and he was growing so quickly that we seemed to be buying him a new pair of shoes every six weeks. Anybody remember that kind of phase? Shoot, that was expensive. I said to Fliss, why don't we just get him a huge pair of Wellingtons? <laughs> she wasn't impressed. <laughs> Healthy things grow. Growth brings change. Change always brings challenge. You know, I've got a fairly high capacity for change. I, I get bored if we're not dealing with some aspect of change. That's not everyone. Some people, there's just so much chaos in their life that actually they want church to remain the same. They all want to sit in the same place. And I don't want anything to change. That's not what the church is about. But you know that. Anybody who comes to this church for more than five minutes knows that we're not that kind of church. Healthy things grow. Growth brings change. Change brings challenge. And challenge, what does challenge do? It does for me. It turns us to Christ. I get to that point where I've, there's so much change going on in my life. There's so much challenge going on, and I've got a lot of challenge going on at the moment. There's so much challenge going on that I begin to get overwhelmed. I get to the end of myself, and I begin to remember verses like, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And at that point, I turn back to Jesus and say, God, I need some help. God, I need some help. So I turn to Christ. The challenge kind of works on us and softens us, and we come back to Christ. What does Christ do? Christ brings health. Healthy things grow. Growth brings change. Change brings challenge. Challenge turns us to Christ. Christ brings health. And guess what? Healthy things grow. It's just the Lord. It's just the Lord. It's true for churches. It's true for individuals. It's, it's, it's true for families. You know, healthy things grow. And so this year then, this year then is a year of new beginnings. You know, uh, I, I don't want us to think of this year, uh, Felicity and I do not want us to think of this year as necessary endings. Before the old guy starts drooling, gets too fat and the beer gets too long. This is going to be a year where by the grace of God, and I please, please pray, you know, there will be some significant changes. But we'll, we'll, we'll work it through together. We're prayerful. We've, 
This hasn't happened by accident. This hasn't happened all of a sudden. And this place will go on from strength to strength. Someone shout amen. amen. Thank you. And Fliss and I will still be a part of it. But we embrace change. We embrace challenge. And we embrace Christ. So, to finish then, I'm going to finish here. I had more I'm preaching next week, so I'll be able to share some more next week. 2018 then, a year of new beginnings. We need your prayer. We need your support. And we need you to stay sweet with one another. The enemy will undoubtedly try and take up an own opportunity to cause dissent and division and break things up. He'll want to say, it's an ending. It's not a beginning. It's an ending. Not a beginning. It's an ending. Not a beginning. And he will take advantage of every foothold. That's what he's supposed to do. That's his job. So get over it. What God does for us is he says, come to me all who are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. What God says is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through Jesus the Son. It's a call to press in. It's a call to be mature, having come of age. It's a call to expect more from God as we give ourselves to God. Ordinary people attempting extraordinary things in the service of an extraordinary God. Amen. Let's have the worship team back up. Let's all stand.